0: say, since this is God's house, and this is God's house that I am in, God is with you wherever you are. His spirit permeates the entire earth. And so as children of God, may you look around, even in your home, and recognize you are also in the house of God. So, welcome home. I want to invite you to take a few deep breaths, so that we may center ourselves in our time of worship. Let us worship the living God.
1: Will you please join me in the call to worship? There are many mysteries to our heart. How great are your ways, O God. Sometimes our words are a regrettable showcase of what lies within us. Forgive us for hurting others. Sometimes our words are a sad reflection of the trials we've endured, bring about healing in our souls, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Let's join together now in our opening hymn. I'm offering a
2: twist on a classic gathering hymn this morning, the slight alteration of the traditional text to make a familiar holiday tune usable year round. So for those of us who could use a little Christmas about now, Please join me in joyful song.
1: to worship however you have found us however you are worshiping with us it is good to be together let's join together now in our community prayer let us pray Oh Lord our God help us to understand how much our words reflect what is in our hearts forgive us when our speech is not a proper reflection of your ways, cleanse our hearts today and every day. Fill them with your spirit so that the new words that come out of them will be a wellspring of life to many. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, the psalmist reminds us that God is compassionate and gracious, abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, says the psalmist, so great is God's love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are set free. Rejoice in the good news. Amen.
3: A birthday blessing for August. A poem by Nikki Giovanni. Love is a human condition. An amoeba is lucky it's so small, else its narcissism would lead to war, since self-love seems so frequently to lead to self-righteousness. I suppose a case could be made that there are more amoebas than people, that they comprise the physical majority and therefore the moral right, but luckily amoebas rarely make television appeals to higher gods and baser instincts. So one must ask if the ability to reproduce oneself efficiently has anything to do with love. The night loves the stars as they play about the darkness. The day loves the light caressing the sun. We love those who do because we live in a world requiring light and darkness, partnership and solitude, sameness and difference, the familiar and the unknown. We love because it's the only true adventure. I'm glad I'm not an amoeba. There must be more to all our lives than ourselves and our ability to do more of the same. May you experience that adventure that is central to the human condition, love, in whatever form this year. Happy birthday. This is our time of discovery for our younger ones and perhaps for our less young ones, too. Once there was someone who said such wonderful things and did such amazing things that people just had to follow him. And Because of how he was and what he said and what he did, they said of him, that God dwelled inside him. That he must be God's special child. This one we know as Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, one of the things that we believe is that God can dwell within us too. That God can show up in and through us. And so one of the reasons we pray, perhaps the reason we pray, is to invite God to show up in and through us in the way we speak, in what we do, and how we are. In our kindness, in our compassion, in our courage, and commitment to doing what is right. I want to teach you a song, which is a prayer, that invites that. It asks God to show up and be glorified, which is a fancy way of saying, show up in me and in all that I do and all that I am. So it's nice because it's a repetitive song. We just change a little phrase each verse to mention another aspect in our life that we'd like God to show up in through us. Goes like this.
4: Glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord. Be glorified today. Let's try that. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today. In my home, in my home, Lord, be glorified in my home, Lord, be glorified today. In my playing. In my playing, Lord, be glorified today. Glorify my place Lord be glorified today in our family in our family Lord be glorified. Fighting, our family, Lord Be glorified today In all we do In all we do, Lord Be glorified Glorified in all we do, Lord, be glorified today.
3: In whatever you're doing, wherever you are, God can show up in you. Go now in peace,
4: go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go.
2: O oh God, put a new and steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a clean Create heart, heart. heart. O oh God, put, put a new and steadfast, steadfast spirit within me. Within me. Do, Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your spirit from me. Your salvation restore restored restore to the, the joy of salvation, salvation and sustenance.
0: Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 10 through 28. I want to give you a heads up. Uh, It's going to start off pretty normal, but it's going to end on a pretty confusing, to put it mildly, note. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. But it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached him, approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? I want to jump back here. What the disciples are talking about is the situation that happened just before this reading, where Jesus essentially accuses the Pharisees of being phonies, of being kind of fake on the inside, but covering up all their wrongness with a bunch of religious talk and religious clothing and all that. So that's why they were offended. He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. That's what started this whole thing, was a argument between the Pharisees and the disciples about eating, quote-unquote, unclean food. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, He answered, And her daughter was healed instantly. It's worth noting that it's pretty remarkable that her daughter was healed instantly. But did you catch the part about Jesus Christ uh, possibly calling this woman, her friends and family a dog? (laughs) It makes me wonder uh, how many of you have ever said something you regret or and other people read about it or saw it on the internet or something. Uh, But could you imagine what you said being written down in a book like the Bible and then distributed to billions of people throughout the world? (laughs) I, I could imagine Matthew getting through the pearly gates, seeing Jesus in heaven, Jesus giving Matthew a big hug, saying, you've done such a great job. Thank you for all the work you've done. So glad you're here and then saying to Matthew, but why did you have to include that bit about the Canaanite woman in there? (laughs) Nameless Canaanite woman. (laughs) Why did you have to put that in there? That's actually a great question to ask uh, whenever you're reading the Bible. Why, out of all the things that happened, all the things that were said, why put that in there? Some people think it actually lends greater credibility to the Gospels, because if you're going to make up a religion, why would you include stuff like that <laughs> in it? And people will also say, well, you know, it's about the context. You, if you It's probably not as bad as it sounds. You know, Jeff's going to explain to us how it's not as bad as it sounds. There's probably some Greek word that's different, but actually the Greek word makes it sound more like an annoying puppy than a dog. So that doesn't work. Well, what is the the background of this? Jesus is coming from Nazareth. Okay? He's coming from his home in Nazareth and he is going to travel through the Canaan area, the sort of Jordan River Valley area into Jerusalem. That's his plan, that's his purpose. And his plan and his purpose is also to bring God's love to the quote-unquote house of Israel as he says not to these Canaanite people. Jesus has a plan and a purpose, and this woman has interrupted those plans and has interrupted that purpose. How many of you are planners, I wonder? I know some of you are, and we're very grateful that you are. But this has got to be a difficult time for you type A people out there. I mean, our plans are getting thrown up in the air, whether they're big plans about what you know, work's going to look like in a few months, or big plans about what is life at home going to look like with school, and it's hard to figure out how to plan things, even little things, like going to the store. I remember a few months ago, I go to Costco up in Novato, and there was a a socially distanced line of people wrapping around the building. And when I saw that with surprise, I thought, wait a minute, am I really prepared to invest another hour or two before I even get in the building just so we can restock on paper towels and toilet paper? (laughs) I did, whether that means anything to you or not. I actually have an audience today. I brought someone here. Joey, come here. Uh, This is our dog, Joey, right here. And Joey is a German Shepherd. Come on up. Say, oh, come on. Good girl. There you go. And Joey is an extremely smart dog. Not always obedient, but she's a very smart dog. And it's been really interesting to me to see how Joey uh, figures out how she's going to eat the food that we give her. Now, as a German Shepherd, Joey needs roughly five hours a day of work or she gets really stir-crazy and cabin fever kind of a thing. And Jen and I have gotten her these things called Kongs. They're sort of puzzles that you put food and treats in. And so she goes all over the house with these things, eating her food, and it gives her something to do when we aren't able to, to play with her. And what's funny about this is seeing how Joey has developed these plans to eat her food in the most efficient way possible. Because while she's a German shepherd who wants work, she's also a dog who wants to eat her food. And so Joey will, first she discovered that the hard floor uh, isn't a good place because her, her puzzle, you know, her kong slides all over the floor. Then she discovered that the carpet is a better spot. Then she discovered that her bed is actually the best spot because she could put it there and it doesn't move. It just stays Right where it is, and and Joey, go on, go on. Sorry, you're not you're not in the sermon the whole time. So, so what has been really humorous is how we have introduced a couple of new, uh, shall we say, scenarios to Joey's plans of how she's going to eat their food. This is our children with Joey. And what has changed about the way Joey eats her food, now that we have children, is the floor space where Joey would normally eat her food is shared with our children's toys. And so our children don't want Joey to eat her food where they play with their toys because they're afraid that she might eat one of their Legos. And Lord knows that I am not going to conduct any sort of science experiments to discover if She has eaten a toy after it has been eaten, okay? So what they've done and what Joey's figured out is I can take my food to the landing of the stairs, that sort of square area you have in the stairs, and she's all by herself there. It's a small area, so her Kong doesn't fly all over the floor. That is her plan now. And people will say to us, gosh, that's so rough, how you treat Joey. And we say, you know, she's just a dog. Come on, she's just a dog. And Joey is. She's a dog. And I know many of you treat your dogs better, but she's just a dog. And Jesus refers to this person, her family and friends as dogs. And says, I can't waste God's blessings on you dogs. That's rough. (laughs) Maybe you're not completely familiar with this passage. There have been plenty of people share a lot of reasons why they think Matthew would include this uh, piece of history in the Bible, this interaction. Uh, Martin Luther, for instance, of Protestant Reformation, 95 Theses, fame, Lutheran church guy. Martin Luther says what really is happening here is Jesus didn't call her specifically a dog. He and she doesn't seem to be offended by that, so why should we? He goes on to say that since we're all sinners and none of us are perfect, indeed, we are all dogs. There are other people who say, you know, what's really happening here is a cultural thing. You know, it's this is what the Canaanite people would have expected someone like Jesus to say. So, you know wonderful touch of irony Jesus makes this kind of tongue-in-cheek humorous joke and you know she's not offended so why should you be stop being so sensitive but I think I I think many of you would agree that it's those kinds of jokes and that kind of humor that perpetuates things like implicit bias and prejudice at least it does in impressionable minds And there were a lot of them there. After all, she did refer to him as Lord. Some other people say, you know, what what you're getting caught up with is the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was also God. And so if Jesus is God, Jesus knows what's going to happen afterwards. And so Jesus knows that if he makes this insulting remark, she's still going to continue to beg for healing. And so Jesus, knowing this, sets this up beautifully as this example to the house of Israel of what we should be doing in our prayers to God. Because sometimes God says no. And this woman is the example. So you're you're missing the forest for the trees here. You're getting so caught up on that word. And, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I don't understand how all the little things that happen offensive or non-offensive work together in bringing about justice and love and grace to the greater cosmos i'm not god maybe i don't know and because i'm not god god is going to do things differently than i would do and god is going to think things differently than i would think and so i have to be prepared as we all have to be prepared to accept the fact That God may do something that we wouldn't do. But I don't know about you, that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it, given these words? Maybe our difference of opinion with God isn't about the use of the word dog. Maybe our difference of opinion is over perfection and what it means to be a child of God. We hold Jesus up as the perfect example of what it means to be a child of God. And we have all different opinions about what it means to be perfect, what it means to be a child of God. You know, a few years ago, we were at the Homeless Garden Project in Santa Cruz. We go there with our middle schoolers and our leaders. And... It is such an incredible organization. They do an amazing amount for people who are suffering from housing instability. Their success rates are through the roof and extraordinary. So they have a farm, this community farm. And we, as volunteers, go work the farm. And I'm not surprising any of you when I tell you that I know nothing about farming. And most of the volunteers don't either. We need the Homeless Garden Project staff to teach us and manage us and correct us on the farm. Now, the really cool thing that I love about the Homeless Garden Project is the staff of the Homeless Garden Project that does this are the quote-unquote homeless people. Their clients are the ones that oversee us, that teach us of what to do. So you're down in the dirt pulling weeds or trimming hedges or whatever and planting seeds, and and the staff who is managing you and teaching you, as you're there for the day, passing time, they, you share stories and they share stories. Their stories about their struggles with mental health problems and their struggles with addiction, the struggles that they have dealt with in family or friends or job prospects through the years. It's an incredible place to be. So we, we're on this long stretch of farm bed, you know, maybe 25, 30 yards long. It's where the carrots are. And our job is to pick the weeds from the carrot bed. And our staff person that day, Justin, he explains to us look, we got to keep the carrots in. That's very important. But we're going to liberate the carrots and pull the weeds. We're going to liberate these crops. Now, if you pull a carrot out, your punishment is you have to eat the carrot right now. <laughs> and so, you know, naturally, me included, we're pulling carrots by accident. We're eating them dirt and all. And that may gross out some, but you know, it's an organic farm. It's organic dirt. Good for you then, right? (laughs) And what's a little extra protein going to hurt, you know? So we're, we're out there and we're pulling carrots. And I got to tell you something, there were some carrots that were delicious and beautiful and sweet. And there were other carrots we pulled out of the ground. They look gnarly, man. They look like the Fingers, like the deformed fingers of a retired NFL lineman. They were just going every direction. These were some weird and ugly-looking carrots. But even an ugly carrot, I can assure you, tastes just like a real carrot. It has the same amount of beta-carotene. It has the same amount of fiber, the same amount of vitamins as all other carrots. It may be ugly, it may be imperfect, but it's still a carrot. And I might be imperfect, but I'm still a child of God. And so are you. We get so caught up trying to be perfect. It doesn't always work. Oh, I know, you're so authentic. That would never happen, right? Or I know people that are so authentic. That doesn't, they're not like that. But goodness, think about those first couple dates you go on. Or you introduce that person to the family and friend group and their idea of what's perfect for you is different from what your idea of what perfect for you is. And there's some drama there. Or we, can we follow you to your next job interview when they ask that question, right? Tell us about your strengths and weaknesses. Well, you know, I'm not perfect, but uh, I mean, my weaknesses, it's that I, I work too hard sometimes. Uh, I'm, you know, sometimes too much of a team player. I don't think about myself enough. These are my weaknesses. (laughs) We're not fooling anybody. The interviewer knows you're not perfect. The person you're dating knows you're not perfect. We know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But maybe our definition of what perfect is and what God's definition of what perfect is is a little different Imagine for a moment that Jesus, you know, perfect child of God, never lost an argument. Imagine that Jesus was never wrong, never learned anything. Is that really the kind of deity we want our children to imitate? (laughs) Hey kids, follow God. Follow Jesus Christ. Never be wrong again. Never listen. Never learn to anyone ever again. Really, is that what we want? Because I don't think so. So then if that's not what we want, then do we think being open-minded is a good thing? Of course we do. But it's interesting to me because what I see sometimes in the media over the last several years and in social media is that people change their mind about something and they're labeled negatively as a flip-flopper or their opinions evolve, but maybe not at the same rate as we would like and we... We say they're not sufficiently woke. They don't really get it, or I can't trust them. They're not really on our team because they don't believe what I believe right now, and they haven't always. Do we think being open-minded is a good thing? Of course we do. But when was the last time you changed your mind about something then? And when was the last time you acknowledged that you were wrong? When was the last time that you blessed someone whom you hurt? Jesus, as a child of God, as his perfect example, grew in wisdom and stature through his life. And don't just take my word for it. Take one of the other gospel writers, Luke, who says those words. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and so if Jesus grew in wisdom then doesn't that mean that he was wrong sometimes and that people taught him and that he changed if he grew in stature doesn't that mean that he made mistakes and that people taught him and that he grew as a result of that we can change our minds we can change a course After all, Jesus Christ did. And do you know how badly we need people like that in the world today? People who, when confronted with their misguided remarks, respond with humility and grace. People who, after missing the point and being reminded of God's redeeming love that's meant for everyone, respond with humility and healing? Or how badly do we need people like this woman in the world, this foreigner, this Gentile, right, this outsider? How badly do we need people like that? It's important to note that the only time we read in the Bible of Jesus losing an argument is to a foreign woman, Not some insider, not some man, not some holy person. How badly do we need people like her who, in these kinds of moments, respond with humility and still persistence? It's as if she can only hear the cries of her daughter through the noise of that crowd. She reminds Jesus of God's love being for all. Yes, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs off the master's table. How badly do we need people like that who, when confronted with these moments, don't attack and then perpetuate that cycle of division, who respond still with love and purpose. Love for those who are suffering. May we follow her example and that of Christ. She asked Jesus to do something that he's already said he wouldn't do. Does God change its mind? Can we bend The will of God? Is that what prayer is? We moved uh, joys and concerns to uh, just after the sermon because it seemed like the right time to do it today. Um, So we're going to have that time in just a moment. And of course, if you're comfortable as always, share your prayers, your joys and concerns in the comment boxes wherever you may be watching this so that we can Pray in one spirit, as one family. Uh, Of course, if you're not comfortable with that, you don't know how. It's okay. We are still one in the spirit, trying to bend God's will. But I know what some people say. They they may not say this, or they think it. You know, it's only a holy person, only a really good person can bend God's will. I can't really do that. You know. I don't know all the books of the Bible. I don't know all the songs. You know, I don't. I don't know when the last time was I went to church or viewed church. Uh, in this case, I don't know. I don't know that God's going to listen to me. You know, God listens to the people with the robes and the stoles and the funny hats. That's who God listens to. God doesn't listen to me. But that's not the case here, is it? Jesus listens to the outsider. Jesus listens to the person that knows she doesn't belong. And as so often is the case in our holy text and our holy scriptures, the people that God listened to, the people that bend God's will, are the people who usually don't feel comfortable in places like churches or synagogues or temples. The people who bend God's will are the ones whose words come from deep in their heart and a place of suffering and brokenness. We shouldn't have, or excuse me, you shouldn't have to beg other people for help. But sometimes you do. People shouldn't have to beg you for help. But sometimes they do. And we shouldn't have to beg God for help. But sometimes we do. And when we beg, we put on the table our brokenness and our suffering. So if you are carrying any kind of anxiety or stress Or pain and suffering for you or your loved ones as in this woman's case. May those words come out in your prayers. May those words of brokenness come out so that you and others might be healed. May they come out to those you love and trust. May those words come out. And may we hear from God the same words that were given to that woman. Great is your faith. May it be done to you and for you as you wish. For our time of joys and concerns, let us pray. God, we carry the weight of many things today. These are the words that describe what lies in our heart. God, we also have much to celebrate. There are many joys that reside in our heart. And so we celebrate them with you now with these words. As we finish this time of prayer, let us pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation,
1: has certainly been a joy over these last many weeks to worship together on Facebook and on YouTube, on our website, however you have found us. But next week, August 23rd, we are going to try something different with our worship service. We are going to worship together live on Zoom at 10 a.m so be looking for the e-news that's coming out later this week or you can look on our website there's a special section with zoom links that will give you the link that you need for our worship service next week if you need help using zoom if you want us to just send you the link please reach out to us we want to make sure that everyone who wants to join us on zoom is able to do so Uh, so just Click on that link, get into Zoom next Sunday at 10 AM and we will worship together. It will also be broadcast simultaneously live on Facebook. So if it's more comfortable for you to watch on Facebook, you are certainly welcome to do that. Also next week at one o'clock to 1.30 in the afternoon, we are going to have a special drive-through backpack blessing. It will be at the Westminster parking lot And you are simply invited, if you are returning to school, to bring your backpack and receive a blessing. You will stay in your car. We ask that you do wear a face covering. Uh, This is especially meant for our children, our pre-K through high school children, uh, but for anyone returning to school. Now, I realize that most are returning online and not in person, but the backpack is still a really important symbol of the return to school. So again, next week, August 23rd, between 1 and 1.30, drive through the parking lot for a blessing. Finally, as Rob mentioned last week, we on the staff are happy to find a time to meet with you in person. we are allowed to meet outside safely distanced from one another Uh, so if you would like a chance to be in person with one of us on the staff just reach out to us and we will certainly find a time to get together in a safe way outside with that I invite us to join together now in our closing hymn
0: And now, as you go from this thing to the next, may you go with the faith of that Canaanite woman, and may it be done for you as you wish. Amen.